0: You're listening to the Product Podcast from Product School, featuring the best product leaders from Silicon Valley and beyond. If you're an aspiring product manager looking for your first PM role, or an experienced PM looking to level up your skills and advance your career, visit productschool.com to learn about our certificate courses and how we'll get you there. We often talk about the customer journey, but we as product managers go on a journey of our own Along the way, there are many different paths and decisions to be made. We must ensure that everyone is involved and on board in order for us to stay on track. After all, we aren't alone in this journey. We need key stakeholders to be on board in order to get things done. Today's guest is Julia Malloy, a senior product manager at Audible, and she is here to share the importance of building relationships and trust in order to incorporate unique insights and perspectives that can keep your product and features on track. This episode is brought to you by ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company building a more fact-driven world with consumer-grade search and AI-driven analytics. With ThoughtSpot everywhere, you can embed a highly interactive analytics experience into your data app and take your user adoption to the next level. Learn more and try ThoughtSpot for free today by visiting thoughtspot.com everywhere. Hello, I hope everyone is
1: well and safe. My name is Julia Malloy, and I'm a senior product manager at Audible and I'm really excited to speak with you all today about how you can create continuous alignment and co-creation with your stakeholders. Before we dive in, a quick disclaimer. This presentation contains views and practices of my own and do not represent Audible or any of my past employers. So as product managers, we often talk about the customer journey. The steps that our customers take and the stages that they go through before, during, and after interacting with our product. But as product teams designing the experience, we also go on a journey of our own, a journey through the life cycle of the feature or initiative we're working on, all the way from idea to launch. As we move through this process of ideation, testing, iterating, there are many different paths that we can take and many decisions to make along the way, staying on track requires everyone involved to go on this journey together. Let me ask, have you ever worked on a feature or initiative for weeks or even months collaborating with designers and engineers, validating your concepts through prototyping and user research, maybe even building the solution and getting close to launching it, only to have a key stakeholder come out of seemingly nowhere and say that it's not going to work? Maybe they provide some critical feedback that causes you to have to go back to the drawing board, or maybe they scrap the whole project because of a constraint or a change in strategic direction that you weren't aware of. It's frustrating. Why does this happen and how can we avoid it to keep things on track? Well, that's what we're gonna talk about today. As product managers, it's our job to really be the voice of our customers, to focus on solving their problems and adding value to their lives but we can't forget that we don't work alone. And while product managers are responsible for driving vision, and we do make decisions, we don't typically have absolute decision-making power. We need buy-in from key stakeholders to stay on track. Otherwise, things can really go off the rails and no one wants that. Not only that, but incorporating stakeholders' unique perspectives, their wisdom and subject matter expertise can only make your product better. And knowing how to communicate effectively with your stakeholders and leverage that collective knowledge will help you ship better products and ultimately become a better product manager. So what's the best way to bring stakeholders along for the journey? Well, first, it's really important to identify who your stakeholders are. For those not familiar, stakeholders can be anyone that has influence over the direction you take and the decisions being made or it could just be someone that has valuable input to provide or contribute towards your project or feature or product. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list here, but here's some examples of different types of stakeholders. It could be your manager. It could be senior leadership members. It could be someone from technology, engineering. It could be multiple people from these different disciplines. It's also worth noting that some definitions of the word stakeholder include your customers as stakeholders as well. But for the purposes of today, I'm just going to focus on managing and aligning with the non-customer stakeholders, such as the ones listed here. So once you identify who your stakeholders are, it's critical to build relationships and start to establish trust with them. One way you can do this is by having one-on-one conversations with your stakeholders. Learn what matters to them. Ask them some of these questions that I put up here as samples. How does this initiative relate to your goals? What are your hopes and dreams? What are you worried about? Are there any constraints I should be aware of? of? Have we ever tried anything like this in the past? If so, how did it go? Why didn't we finish it? Why didn't it ever launch? What does success look like to you and how would you measure it? All of these things will give you context and help you understand what's important to your stakeholders and get closer to them so that it doesn't feel like something is coming out of nowhere and there's new information that you wish you had had up front. If you don't have a lot of time to conduct one-on-one sessions because you have many stakeholders or maybe you're just really working under a time crunch, you could consider sending a survey. I've done that in the past, sending a survey out to all of my stakeholders, having them answer the same questions, and it actually makes it a little bit easier to analyze the results, too, because rather than having notes that you might have taken during a conversation, you have survey results, and and that's pretty, pretty great. But above all else, you have to get to know them as humans. I've always found that the best working relationships are built on more than simply talking about the project or the work all the time. Knowing about each other as people opens the door to forming deeper connections and more trusting relationships. And that will only help you collaborate better as you move forward. Another key step is to really understand how your stakeholders want to be involved. Not all stakeholders have the same level of interest in what you're working on. And they also don't have the same level of influence over what could happen and decisions that are made. So I like to think of it on this influence interest grid here. And you can even think about for your stakeholders, how you might plot them on this grid to get a sense of how you should engage with them. For example, if you have a stakeholder that is highly influential, has a lot of decision-making rights, could be a person like a senior leader in your discipline or another relevant discipline, but they have low interest in what you're working on. Those kinds of stakeholders, you want to make sure you align at key moments. So when key decision points are being made, or you're reaching a big milestone, you want to make sure that they're on board. Then, if you have, uh, you know, also thinking about high, highly influential people and highly interested in what you're working on, those are your key team players that you want to engage with very closely. Include them on collaboration sessions. Um, include them on more updates, get them a little closer to the day-to-day within reason based on their schedule and availability and and all that good stuff as well. For those that are in that bottom left quadrant, um, lower in terms of influence and and less interested in your project, those are folks that you'll want to just monitor and make sure that you're keeping them informed and making sure if anything changes in terms of their interests or influence that you're, you're aware of that. And you're also getting the key inputs from them that you need to contribute and make your product even better. And then lastly, for those that are lower on the influence side but highly interested, you'll want to keep them informed too. Those are really important folks that have a lot of value to contribute to your projects, so keep them informed and engage with them. It's also important to clarify decision-making rights. Um, and levels of involvement. How how do stakeholders want to be involved in various aspects of what you're working on? Um, Also, I want to call out a key distinction here. Stakeholders do inform decisions being made, but they're not necessarily decision makers. As product managers, we do have decision making rights of our own, Um, but it's just that we want to keep that level of alignment over time with all the stakeholders that we have. For more complicated projects that have many stakeholders, I like to use Bain and Company's RAPID framework, which provides this method of classifying your stakeholders according to the decision-making power they have. So RAPID stands for, the R is for recommending a decision or action. So this is a, a team member that's going to be doing a lot of the work to compile what the solution is and then recommend that approach. Um, this could be a product person. It could be. It really could be any any stakeholder as well, depending on the makeup of your team. Agreeing means that you have to be aligned to the decision that's being made. You have to agree with the decision. However, those with the agree role don't have the power to overturn or veto a decision that's being made. Perform is one that I don't always use, but it is it is helpful on some projects if you're looking to really identify ownership of who's doing what. Um, So who's going to perform an action or carry out the task once a decision is made? Input is, uh, you know, a person whose role it is to provide some key context or background. Um, They have a perspective and insights to, to give. They're not necessarily a decision maker. They don't necessarily have to agree to a decision, but they have important context and they'll need to give input on that aspect of what you're working on. And then lastly, The D is for decide, and that is the person that really commits the team to action. This is the the final decision maker, the approver. It's the person that really has the power to say yes or no. Now, there can be multiple decision makers, but ideally, you would would limit it to a small number. One One is the best, but if there's multiple decision makers, that's okay. Here's an example of how your matrix could look if you had three different stakeholders. In the left-hand column, you list your focus areas. This example is showing high-level areas, such as the roadmap, UX design, messaging, and copy, and the measurement plan. But you can make this your own and add as many as you need based on your initiative. You can even include yourself in the matrix as well if that's helpful for you. It's important that your stakeholders are aware of this matrix and agree with their roles. So I would definitely recommend filling this out with each stakeholder and talking through how they want to be involved in each step of the project that you're working on. You also wanna make sure that you're sharing this in a place that's easy for you and other team members to refer back to over time as these decision points come up. So you can see in some of these examples here for the roadmap, Uh, The senior leader is ultimately the decision maker. So the, the senior leader gets to decide if and when certain things are happening on the roadmap and when they're going live. Now, marketing might just give input to the roadmap, but they're not actually a decision maker there. And legal has no role in that. But on the flip side, when it comes to messaging and copy, legal is actually the decider because there's obviously for legal reasons, you want to make sure messaging and copy is approved. Co-creation with stakeholders. So once you've aligned with your sta- your stakeholders, you've clarified their involvement, now it's time for the really fun part, co-creation. Early on, it's so beneficial to collaborate with stakeholders to really supercharge alignment and idea generation. When everyone has a seat at the table, it means all key stakeholders, including you, have a voice and they can bring up their unique perspective. They can raise concerns or objections. It's a much better way of working than the design and reveal approach that I've seen far too often.
0: This episode is brought to you by ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company building a more fact-driven world with consumer-grade search and AI-driven analytics. Build stickier product experiences by embedding ThoughtSpot Everywhere's interactive analytics interface directly into your data app or product. No more delayed release cycles or incremental UX improvements. ThoughtSpot Everywhere's developer-friendly platform replaces static dashboards with an interactive data experience in minutes, allowing users to intuitively dig into their data and trigger actions in their favorite business apps. Learn more and try ThoughtSpot for free today by visiting ThoughtSpot.com everywhere.
1: This is how you truly bring everyone along for the journey that I mentioned earlier. And what do I mean exactly by co-create? I'm referring to inviting stakeholders to participate in design or problem-solving sessions. I like to conduct them as workshops with a series of activities that facilitate the discussion and really drive to the outcome that I'm looking for. Some of those outcomes can include new ideas, ways to overcome challenges or constraints, concepts for solutions. I'll also mention that co-creation can be used with real customers as well. And that can be very effective, too, for different reasons. But for the purposes of today's discussion, we're just going to continue to focus on co-creation with internal stakeholders only. Your role in these co-creation sessions is to lead and drive while gathering input and considerations. Don't be afraid to push back if you hear something that you disagree with or feel isn't best for the customer, even if the stakeholder that brought it up is more senior than you. Remember, as the PM, you're representing the voice of the customer. If a stakeholder pushes for something that's not in the best interest of customers or doesn't align well with our goals, then you have to speak up. Validate stakeholder requests against real customer feedback and data whenever possible. So how does one facilitate co-creation? There are many, many frameworks and methods out there to help you facilitate co-creation and alignment. But today I'm gonna share with you a couple of my go-to frameworks that I really like to use. So the first one I wanna share is brainstorming goals and problems to solve. This is a great activity to do early on, and it can really serve as a foundation for your whole initiative or product that you're working on. This activity involves everyone individually brainstorming goals, and then sharing their top three with the larger group. As the facilitator, you'll group similar goals together on the board to create themes, and then have a discussion with the group. You can ask things like, Are any of these goals surprising? Does anyone disagree with any of them? You can then have participants vote for the goals that they feel are the most important to solve to get a quick sense of priority. These same steps can be repeated, but instead of goal, you would brainstorm key problems to solve. I like to focus mostly on customer problems. But it can also be helpful to call out other kinds of problems, too, like operational issues you might be solving with this initiative or technical problems. Uh, A tip here as well for remote sessions, Miro and Envision Freehand are two really great tools that you can use as a virtual whiteboard. And they do a nice job of making it still feel collaborative and you have sticky notes that you're moving around virtually um, and you can really create that, that feeling close to it that you would get being in the room together. The next co-creation framework I really like is customer empathy exercises. So this one can help everyone to really get into the mindset of the customer. And it's a great primer activity that you can do as a sort of warm up before you go into like a full design session or design workshop. For this one, you'll ask your participants to individually brainstorm each of the following so again, you're trying to put yourself and your stakeholders in the mindset of the customer and really empathize with them. So first, think about who are your customers? Are there multiple kinds of customers you have? What do they need to do? What are they currently saying? What are they doing currently? Are they doing some like, workarounds? What are their pain points and frustrations? And what are their wants and needs? After everyone individually brainstorms each of these, I would give about three minutes per per theme there, per sub bullet. Um, And then have each participant share and place their stickies up on the board. And as the facilitator, again, you'll wanna group similar ideas together on the board and then discuss and react as a group. If you want to vote to prioritize, um, you could, for example, say a ton of pain points and frustrations came up or a ton of customer wants and needs, and you might start to feel like, whoa, these are way too many things to solve right now with this initiative. You can go ahead and give each person one to three votes and allow them to just put a sticky dot, or you know, if it's remote, they can just put a little icon on the uh, themes or ideas that they feel most strongly about solving for. Another co-creation framework I really like to do is a sketching session. This is a great way to generate ideas for solutions and get everyone involved and make sure everyone's ideas are heard. So the way you facilitate this one, if you have many participants, sometimes these can be quite large sessions and they're really fun. You'll want to break everyone up into smaller groups of about three to five people per group. You'll want to share some background info on sketching, knowing that not all stakeholders are familiar with UX and product practices like this. You know, you can talk about things like using some simple shapes and lines. You're able to communicate your ideas. And it's not about being a designer per se or being a great drawer. You certainly don't need those skills. Anyone can sketch. You just have to get your ideas on paper. Once you give some background and share some examples, then you can present the design problem to the group. So what are we actually trying to solve for with these solution, with these sketches? An example of this could be, how might we design a sign-up flow that is faster and reduces customer drop-off? It's important to tie back your design problem to the goals that you're trying to achieve or the metric that you're trying to move. It'll keep everyone focused and it makes it a lot easier to evaluate the solutions later on as well. You'll want to give participants about five to seven minutes to individually sketch out their solution. Once they draw it, then ask the participants to share their sketch within just their small group. The small groups will discuss and align on the solution that they think is the best. It can be a combination of aspects from different solutions or from different sketches. And then give the small group another additional five to seven minutes to sketch again, this time refining the solution based on the discussion they had in their small group. Typically for this second round, just one person will sketch the final solution. At that point, each smaller group will present their final sketch to the bigger group. And this is a great way to discuss and maybe even start to prioritize a little bit based on feasibility and goals and really just hear the reactions of everyone. Again, this is a great framework to use to generate ideas. And I I think it's actually really fun to get people together from all different disciplines because sometimes the ideas that come out are really, really creative, and you might not have thought of them yourself. So some principles for successful stakeholder, co-creation, things to keep in mind. Um, I really like to take the more the merrier approach with these early collaboration sessions meaning all willing stakeholders should join. A common pitfall I've seen is to set up a big kickoff discussion meeting with maybe you presenting and having some Q&A. While that discussion is great, it's really not as effective with a large group. And you'll find that, you know, not all stakeholder voices are being heard or maybe the conversation spirals and you can't get it back to focus on what you want to work through. Um, When you have all the stakeholders involved, it it is helpful to add some structure to these larger sessions with these activities. Do be mindful of your audience, though, when selecting a collaboration approach, as some methods might be too in the weeds for more strategic minded stakeholders. You'll want to make sure that that you level set on that. The next one is about um, keeping in mind that conflict is a good thing. When conflicts and disagreements arise, you really don't want to shy away from them. Dive into it. Ask for more context. Truly try to understand the problem that your stakeholder is trying to solve. See if you can connect the problem back to your goals. Which approach or solution better aligns? If a conflict can't be resolved, which sometimes happens um, in the session, then you can save it for a follow-up and have a smaller session afterwards with just those that really need to hammer it out. Sometimes in these workshops, I'll like to keep a running board that has um, all of the like, open items or complexities that we couldn't necessarily solve on the spot, but were really great to highlight and we did make some good progress on, just so we can remember to go back to them later. Um, you also want to make sure that you align on your goals first before jumping to solutions. It's so much easier to evaluate solutions based on how well they'll achieve your goal rather than just trying to come up with random solutions or ideas before you really have that foundational alignment on what you're actually trying to achieve for your customers and and your business. You also don't want to let the co-creation session be the end of your collaboration. You want to follow up with the group, with outcomes, and really repeat back what happened. Um, Document them in a place that everyone can refer back to. I've, I've been a part of some sessions before where the energy in the room feels really great and decisions are being made. And we all leave the room feeling energized and like, this is awesome. Here we go. So much alignment. And then it happens that there was no note taker, or we you know, forgot to take pictures of the whiteboard, and then we kind of lose track of where everything is, or maybe I have my own notes, but I didn't share it out. So it's really important to have that follow-up, close the loop, and put everything in a place that is easily referable to, um, and hold yourself accountable to that over time. And lastly, have fun. These kinds of workshops and activities and one-on-one conversations with stakeholders really break up some of the monotony of the day-to-day of just like meetings and you know heads down work and and it's fun it's it's a different format that people really enjoy so you want to make sure that the energy in these sessions is light and fun and all ideas are welcome it it really just makes it go a lot more smoothly and and a lot more positively it's also important to note that stakeholder alignment is not a one-time thing You can't just do one session and then it's like, great, we're aligned and we never will talk again on this. It's an ongoing relationship and something to maintain throughout the whole product life cycle. Consider how your stakeholders want to be kept involved. This is something you can ask them about in those upfront stakeholder sessions I was mentioning earlier in those one-on-ones. Here's some examples of communication approaches I've used in the past. You could have a weekly status meeting for those highly engaged stakeholders where you review progress, work in progress, you get feedback. Um, You could do a bi-weekly status update email if there's not enough time on calendars to have more meetings. You could also set up recurring one-on-ones or recurring small group sessions with key stakeholders. And don't forget to use the decision matrix. If a decision point comes up related to one of those focus areas that you listed out, make sure you check that matrix to remind yourself, oh, this person has great input to give here, or this person has to agree to the decision that we're making. To summarize what we've discussed today, remember to identify your stakeholders early and truly bring them along for the ride. Get to know them as humans and really build trust. Clarify their involvement, their interests, and the decision-making rights and co-create with a structured method to really supercharge idea generation and alignment and ensure that everyone's voice is heard. And lastly, remember that alignment is not a one-time thing. Keep it going with a communication strategy like I just mentioned. And if you do that, all of these, you really should be able to avoid those painful misalignment moments and going off the rails. Leverage the connective knowledge of your stakeholders, and ultimately, you will be able to ship better experiences for your customers. Thank you very much for joining, and thank you so much to Product School for having me. Be well and stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you would rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Taking the time to write just a few sentences about what you love most about the show will help us improve it and reach even more product people around the world. And when you're done, why not reward yourself with some free product management content and resources over at ProductSchool.com. Until next time, stay product-led.